Happy New Year, everyone, and welcome back to Strange New Worlds, a science and Star Trek podcast. I'm your host, Mike Wall. Star Trek Discovery's third season continues to roll on, and so must our episode responses. Today, we're discussing the penultimate episode of Star Trek Discovery's third season, titled There Is a Tide. As always, there are three brief segments to my responses, think, feel, and question, although one of them is not going to be quite as brief as the others today, as you will soon see. Now, Star Trek has always tried to reflect the conflicts and challenges of our time back at us, using the far future as a lens into seeing our own human condition. If you've ever listened to this podcast, you know that I love it when Star Trek gets us to think about science and technology in new ways. But Star Trek isn't only about science, and in fact, it's usually the case that the science in the show is not the most interesting aspect. And that's certainly the case with There is a Tide. So for today's Think segment, I've beamed in my good friend and human rights historian, Dayson Oka, to talk about a scene where he thinks that the writers are making a pretty strong statement about the economic and political system that we call capitalism. Specifically, this is a scene referring to Osiris and Admiral Vance's um, negotiation to uh, you know merge the Emerald Chain with the Federation. And I think like the writers knew what they were doing and they were absolutely gunning for Osiris to be uh, an analogy or to be a symbol of capitalism. And we see that in the negotiation points that Osiris brings up and as well as Admiral Vance's response to these negotiation points. And their exchanges reveal, I think, what the writers were trying to say about the history of capitalism, what is capitalism and like what it's willing to do and what it's also not capable of doing. We're going to dive into all of that good, juicy symbolism. Um, but just for the audience, um, I'd like to quickly recap how we got here. Um, so in this episode, the penultimate episode to season three of Star Trek Discovery, Osira essentially has hijacked the USS Discovery and has used it to infiltrate Federation headquarters. And when she got there, I really thought that she was just going to go in guns blazing and just start blowing everything up. But that's not what happened. Um, Osira actually asked to open negotiations with the Federation and Admiral Vance and Osira ended up meeting to discuss, as you said, Osira's plan for peace. And even that was surprising in itself. You know, I thought that, well, I thought at first that Osira was just stalling for time or something, like this was all a farce and that maybe like she was just waiting for the Emerald Chain backup to come and help her, or, you know, maybe she was going to actually engage in negotiations, but like try to make a deal where she would trade the Discovery's crew's lives for like all of the Federation's dilithium reserves or something like that. I had no clue that this was coming, that she was going to try to negotiate for peace. And I think that it's very interesting how she seemed to be actually like a somewhat wise and honest and prescient leader uh, when she says that every empire falls. It would be foolish to think that we can remain where we once were when we are out of dilithium. 
I'm sure that Rin has already told you of our scarcity. He has. You have a spore drive that you cannot replicate. I have the most well-funded scientific institutions in the known galaxy. There is a deal to be made here. You already have Discovery under your control. Why bring us into it at all? Because the Federation, despite its failures since the burn, is still a symbol of hope. The chain, despite our efforts and our advances, has never experienced such privilege. If we combine the best of what we are, you really think this could work? You're a chain of planets. We are a federation of mercantile exchanges. We need to focus on doing what is for the good of our people. At the end of the day, they are what this is all about. And so I was wondering what, what you kind of make of this, because I can't imagine any world leader today uttering something like that. Like, can you imagine a U.S. president saying, you know what we actually need to do right now is completely change the way that our country works and like merge with China or something like that. Like that's just unfathomable. I think like there's this like really interesting um, point that political scientists and historians look at when it comes to war and that war is like a restructuring of kind of the playing field. And like war happens because like slowly the cost, like the price of peace becomes more expensive than the price of war. So then Osara and the Federation probably engage in war thinking that one will come out on top of the other. But clearly we saw that this like situation is um, not tenable anymore and they're going to try to make for peace. And this actually happens all the time. Like nation states, um, governments, rivalries don't end when one is completely dominated, but rather when there's like a new playing field established, usually for the advantage of like said winner. But usually the, the loser is never like fully conquered like some components of like the losing um, organization or the losing state like always remains and continues on because they need it as like a sort of legitimacy for the people who like live in these organizations and states. Yeah, I like this description of engaging in war or engaging in peace and the transition between the two as a changing of the playing field. And I feel like the burn was like the ultimate changing of the playing field. And I think in this conversation that we got between Vance and Osira, we really saw how the burn changed the nature of the political landscape of the galaxy. And, uh, you know, it threw everybody, it threw the entire Federation, which was this like post-scarcity society into one in which like the most major resource dilithium that holds everything together is suddenly very, very, very scarce. Mm -hmm. And then that just fractures the Federation into something that is, you know, still waves the Federation banner Admiral Vance's side, and then this vast mercantile nation state called the Emerald Chain. Yeah, and I think like the Federation were seeing that, you know, before the burn, they had no problem probably defeating, you know, anything like the Emerald Chain. But, um, you know, Admiral Vance recognizes the price of keeping war with the Emerald Chain is like too high. So he's like really seriously considering joining yeah, I think you're completely right that both Vance and Osira agree that peace is a good thing and that they should try to work for peace. But they have different demands of each other in forming that new alliance between the Federation and the Emerald Chain. And, and this is really where things got super interesting. Um, so Osira demands that the Federation sends a message that the Emerald Chain's culture is 
fundamentally valid and ethical. And how are we supposed to do that? By acknowledging that capitalism is already happening within the Federation. When was the last time anyone from around here visited Deep Space 253? A while. 87 years. Not by choice. It's way the hell out there. But DS-253 has been trading with an emerald chain mercantile for nearly a century. You need to sanction that trade. And you need to permit the chain to establish an embassy on the station. That will send a very powerful message. Uh, this is really interesting. I don't remember, you know, like outside the Ferengi, <laughs> the word capitalism <laughs> or the concept of capitalism really coming up in, in Star Trek. And so they said, you saw Osira as symbolizing capitalism and reflecting sort of capitalism in today's society. I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah. So I think just like beyond the obvious, like her saying that like capitalism is legitimate, she like presents this idea and this uh, opinion through not just like her literal saying, but through her negotiations and through what she says and through like what she claims about the Emerald Chain Society. And like a very obvious example is um, the apple scene. It doesn't quite taste like the real thing, does it? I've never eaten a real apple. Well, how sad. Apples are a thing of beauty. If you want to talk about oppression, you should start in your own mess hall. It's made of our shit, you know. That's the base material that we use in our replicators. We deconstruct it to the atomic level and then reform the atoms. It's pretty good for shit. And we don't have to commit atrocities for it. Capitalism has produced like amazing commodities and like has been able to scale the production of these commodities to a vast quantity and with various tastes. Um, so that's like saying, hey, this is just a typical apple made from um, replicator technology. But for her, she says that we I had the real thing and it was exquisite. And so this is one of like capitalism's talking point and strong points is, is that it's able to um, appease to the diverse tastes and demands of the consumers. Like it's because of capitalism that first of all, we can have abundance of like fruit and like these fruits can come from all over the world. Like capitalism is best able to meet and provide for those tastes and desires. So that's just the apple theme right then and there. And then like during the negotiation process, like the, even the concession that she's willing to make, like historically has like happened throughout capitalism. Like for example, it was because of her society that the Emerald Train has produced the biggest and most productive society in the galaxy. And that has like generated enormous wealth. And that's exactly what happened with capitalism too. Like it has, created enormous wealth. Now, where does that wealth go? That's always like, and does it belong to the laborers who made that wealth or does it belong to the people who own the capital in which laborers worked on? Like, you know, there's there's a debate between like people who study economics, like where, who does this wealth like really belong to? But nonetheless, she also makes these concessions that, you know, it, just, it seems like she's kind of giving up the abundance that this her society has created, but capitalism has done this before. For example, she has offered to end slavery. Your mercantile exchanges, they traffic in goods that are used for enslavement. Some still have open slave markets. And I have already submitted a charter amendment to our Congress outlawing slavery. And it has enough support to pass. I had to spend a lot of political capital, but it has the support of regular citizens. Capitalism 
has, in a sense, actually has ended slavery. That's, that's pretty true. Um, she's willing to pull back from occupying certain planets. And I think capitalism and the states uh, facilitating capitalism have made these concessions before. Like, we will uh, withdraw from these territories. We will withdraw from uh, certain occupations of people. Another kind of concession that she was willing to make was that saying that the face of capitalism can be anyone. And I think this is where it gets interesting because she says the face of capitalism can be anyone. The Admiral responds by saying, oh, will they be a proxy of you? And then she responds, no, they won't. And then the hologram AI says, that is not the truth. Ah, he glitched. Ask me again. This armistice to be worth anything, then the person representing the chain has to be proven credible. And the only way that that can happen is if he or she functions completely independently of you and tries you for your crimes. Excuse me? They're well documented. You've never stood trial because no one's been able to compel the chain. You're staring at the past. I just drew you a real map to the future. The past is the only light with which we can see the future. This is interesting. Then, like, what's special about her? And what is special about her symbolism of capitalism that kind of denies a proxy? My, my opinion is that the writers were probably saying, by, by introducing her as a symbol of capitalism, and then having the AI deny that there can be a legitimate external proxy or external face, the writers are saying that the main drive of capitalism, no matter its face or its proxy or its mask, will always be the same. And I think in today's society, one of the biggest critiques of capitalism is that the face of capitalism can be a person of color, can be another minority figure, can be an educated scientist, can be a woman, but the main base of like capitalism's drive is still there. So no matter you have these faces of like progress and faces of, um, of change at its, at its fundamental base, like the interest is of capitalism. And in, in the case of Star Trek Discover, as represented through Osira, remains constant and same and unchanging, no matter the proxy. That's really deep. That's something that I would not have at all picked up on. And so you're, you're basically saying that no matter who is representing capitalism. It's the same, what? The same driver, the same greed, the same, yeah. What, what, what is actually at the base of capitalism? This is what I think the writers were trying to do. They were trying to identify the base of capitalism. And I think this scene demonstrates that it was Asira and her, her fear of uh, going to trial for her war crimes or for crimes against like sentient beings that is the core of capitalism. So, so for example, these writers demonstrated that Asar was willing to make every concession. And it just happens to be these concessions were made by capitalist societies in the past. But the one thing that Rosara wasn't able to confess to or acknowledge, which I think, you know, establishing that she's a symbol of capitalism, I think the writers are also trying to say this about capitalism in today's society, is that she was unwilling to go to go through a trial to address for her past. Right. And I think this is what the writers are saying too. Like capitalism is willing to make all these concessions such as what Osara did, but is unwilling to face justice for its crimes. The fact that it did slave, it conducted slavery or conducted like genocide. 
And you know, she's not denying that she has like ever done this. She accepts it, but she doesn't want to face justice for it. Um, I think those writers are through her denial and her previous concessions is wants to demonstrate that this is also the nature of capitalism um, in Earth in today's society. Yeah, yeah, she's definitely that reflection of. I guess that mindset where, uh, you know, we live in America today and yes, American his history has been full of atrocities, um, but we can sort of like pat ourselves on the back that we ended slavery and that we stopped being such a big colonial force in the world. And then just like say, the future is brighter and we should just be happy with that. But really we're still living with the consequences of all of that history. Yeah, and We're not owning up to it. Exactly. And I think, um, you know, Cyrus is an obvious uh, representation of capitalism. You know, we, again, like it's the, it's the, it's our society in the United States in the 21st century that has abolished slavery, that has uh, pulled out from becoming an empire. It's, it has um, agreed to make a lot more concessions, especially in the form of representation. Like we can have you know, we're talking about the face of Emerald Chain. We can also talk about the face of U.S. society and capital society. It can be anyone. It doesn't matter. But then I think when the writers introduce her pushback and with the resistance of being tried for her crimes, like I think this, the writers are saying the same thing about our society, that, yeah, we can acknowledge that slavery has happened, but are we uh, willing to come to a terms with um, that history and, and provide for justice in the form of a trial, in, in the form of judgment. So I want to ask this. Um, it seems like if Osira is symbolizing capitalism, what do you think Vance and the Federation symbolize? Yeah, um, I don't think that was like maybe the point of what the writers of Discovery was saying. I think like they introduced Vance's critique as like, common critiques against capitalism. The way I read this negotiation scene was like, this was uh, revealing more about Osira and Osiris society than the Federation. I think the Federation's asking the questions is like in place of the critiques that we have in our society about capitalism. So I think he was just a vessel for that. And do you think that the Star Trek writers are trying to make some kind of definite statement about capitalism or is it more that they're just trying to open the discussion by having this debate between Vance and Osira? The statement that they were trying to make is that capitalism is willing to make these concessions and acknowledging that it has provided for abundance of wealth, abundance of commodities and, and the meeting of like diverse tastes and needs and desires. They're all acknowledging that, but they're also acknowledging and I think also asking us the question that is this possible without going through a sort of reckoning or a judgment on the slavery and genocide necessary for, for society, aka capitalism, to um, provide for all of these abundances? And I think that's the biggest question that the writers were trying to pose. But and I think in the Osiris' rejection of those demands, I think they were also saying, no, like capitalism will not be able to come to terms with it. That's really fascinating stuff. Um, Dissan, do you have any predictions about where this might lead? We have one last episode of season three to enjoy. Uh, yeah. And in this episode, we'll probably get a resolution of some sort to the whole Osira Emerald Chain arc. And so what do you think is going to happen in this finale? 
two things. I think two things, one of two things would happen. The first is continuing the theme or the critique of capitalism that the writers have like obviously posed, the ending will probably be Osira being consumed by her own greed and her mm. own greed will be her downfall. And this is like criticism of capitalism. I've talked about this ever since capitalism was invented that it will produce too much of what it has originally slated out to produce. It'll produce too much of it, no one will buy it, and then it's gonna hit a crisis point. So reflecting that in discovery, maybe the writers will have Osiris, uh, like, oh, maybe her ship will be like too big and like <laughs> Her ship is or, too big, she has too many apples. <laughs> yeah, exactly, just too much apple, it's just producing too much, but they'll do it in a very symbolic way. So I think that's like kind of the easy direction that one possible direction. Another one is, is a little bit more complicated. And I think the possibility of this ending that I'm speculating was introduced when she rejected a trial. So what's going to happen is like, you know, we still have to address this point, Like she's still like refusing the trial for her crimes. So in the ending of the next episode, if she dies, but there's no trial, what does that mean for the case of justice? Um, how can justice be met? To rephrase your question about like what we should be looking out for, what I'm looking out for in the final episode is the question of what is the end of capitalism according to the writers of Discovery. If we accept that Osiris is a symbol of capitalism, then that means the writers have set them up, set next week's episode up, to be the question of like, what is the end of capitalism? And um, what does the, the downfall of capitalism is? So we have to watch out for a couple of things. Will there be a trial or not? If there is no trial, will there be justice or not? And if there is justice, how does that look with the Emerald Chain? If there is no justice, how does that look for the Emerald Chain? And I think that reveals the writer's analysis and answer to the question of what does the end of capitalism look like? And I think what we will be seeing, you know, is Asira represents everything that she, that the writer has set out for her to represent. Next week's episode is making a very big claim and a very big statement on um, the end of capitalism. This has been a fascinating analysis, and I think that's a great place to end it because the way that Osira and Admiral Vance ended their conversation was each of them promising the other justice. Sarah, your people are good. I beg you to be as good as they are. I can promise you justice. Oh, I can promise you the same. That was historian Dason Oka on Osira and the Emerald Chain as symbolism for capitalism. If you want to hear more from Daesun, you should definitely check out his history podcast, Diaspers, which he co-hosts with Rebecca Pierce. I'm so glad that I have Daesun with me to help me appreciate this aspect of Star Trek even more and show me things in these episodes that I would have otherwise missed. And with that understanding, let's quickly go through my feel and question for this week, which are two sides of the same coin. Right now, I'm feeling conflicted about how much sympathy I should be giving Osira. I mean, she was painted very clearly as the show's villain ever since she was introduced to us. And yeah, she does some pretty villainous things, like murdering anyone who fails her or stands in her way. 
But now that I know her motive, which is to bring peace to the galaxy, and now that I know that she is a symbol of capitalism, which is the system in which I live, in other words, to some extent, we are the Emerald Chain, is it okay to pity her? Is it okay to take her side and, and say to Vance, just get off your moral high horse and sign the stupid treaty so that you're no longer in open war? Is it okay to respect Osira as a leader who has been far more effective at taming the post-burn galaxy than Vance and the remnants of the Federation? You know, everyone faced hard times after the burn. So is it okay to justify Osira's abhorrent means by her surprisingly noble ends? I guess the question is, how much of a capitalism apologist do we want to be? And I'm so glad that Star Trek is asking this question and getting us to think about it. Well, that's all for this week on Strange New Worlds. If the pandemic is still raging where you live, as it is where I am currently, please continue to wear your masks, keep good physical distance, and take care of each other as we head into this brave new year. May 2021 bring all of you peace, prosperity, and wonder. Until next time, see you out there.